as personal trainer and mom of three. This podcast is designed to take the science of human behavior and apply it to health behavior so that you can be more successful in your fitness journey and be more aligned to live a values-based life. Today, I just wanted to do a quick, straight-to-the-point episode on sustainable habits that I have gotten into that keep me consistent. When I think about a health journey, I think about how people often, if given the choice between consistency and intensity, will choose intensity thinking that this will be the thing that will be most impactful, right? If I'm suffering, it's working. If it's hurting, it's working. If I'm starving, it's working. And probably the biggest unlearning that needs to be done with my clients and the thing that I wanted to teach them more than anything is tiny consistent changes over time will build up and have a cumulative effect Uh, your body reaches a tipping point where all of these tiny little effects start to add up to actually have this really objective, positive outcome on your health metrics. And that the diet that you can sustain, the physical activity that you can sustain and that you hate the least, those are the things that are going to help you be most successful. Not doing the thing that the fit person on the internet does and seems to work, not doing the thing that a family member or a friend does, the thing that you hate least, and the tiniest bit of it at that, right? Like, I don't hate, you know, maybe you don't hate jogging, and you think, okay, I can jog for 10 minutes a day, right? This might not seem impactful, but this is going to create some really positive habits that you can build on over time. It's the thing that you can stomach doing for the rest of your life, essentially. And it's not like you have to pick one way of moving or one way of exercising and that's it. But if you want to engage in a fitness journey for the rest of your life, right? Ideally, it's not something you're ever stopping. It's not a destination. It's a direction in which you move. You're going to want to pick things that you think to yourself, yeah, I'm still going to want to be doing this a decade from now. So when I'm working with my clients, often they're asking for information on how they can change their diet or what they can do differently for exercise. And there's this expectation that the recommendations are going to be a complete overhaul. They're going to be huge. They're going to be life-changing. And actually what we do is we start with very, very small changes to their already existing habits or very, very small ways of embedding tiny little health habits throughout their day that are not going to feel hard to sustain, that are not going to uh, require this carving out of time, energy, and resources that you would expect. Really, it's probably just choosing a habit you're already engaging in and stacking it with a small health health behavior and then doing that over and over again forever. So I was thinking about, all right, a lot of people start a health journey and they are not able to sustain it, right? The hardest part is being able to sustain it over time. uh, And a lot of people are able to start because the motivation is high. And then probably their level of challenge was too high and they, they can't white knuckle it anymore. And so I thought, what do I do to maintain consistency? What's different about what I do such that I've been able to essentially have no changes in my body despite all different types of eating, macro tracking, not macro tracking, during COVID, outside of COVID, 
before a death of my brother, after the death of my brother, during a divorce, like a lot of things have happened, right? Where you think, yeah, that could throw you off track. And none of the hard things that have happened to me in the last four years have negatively impacted my ability to stay consistent. I mean, of course, there have been times that it's more challenging than others, but uh, I feel pretty proud of the ability to stay consistent for so long and through so many different challenges. And so I thought, how can I support people to be able to do the same thing? So I identified three strategies that helped me be consistent and have helped me be consistent for the last uh, four to five years. Uh, the first one is having a Cadillac plan and a skeleton plan. So what this means is your Cadillac plan is if I am doing my best as far as my fitness journey goes, what does that look like, right? For me, that might look like a morning meditation. It might look like I go to bed at the same time every night. It might look like all of my meals are perfectly prepped and weighed out. Uh, I hit the gym for strength training five times a week. I do three 20-minute sets of cardio during other times of the week, right? This is like we're pulling in all the different ways that I can show up and increase my well-being. This is my Cadillac plan. This is like all right, there are no huge changes to my life. Um, my work schedule isn't feeling crazy. I have the funds that I need to be able to do this. I don't have any injuries. I'm not sick. So all of these things have to fall in, into place for me to be able to fully push into my Cadillac plan. Often what happens with the moms with whom I'm working is that something will come up and will derail the plan once the plan is derailed, it's really hard to get back on because there's a lot of negative self-talk like I've fallen off the wagon, whatever that means, right? I've fallen off the wagon again. Oh my gosh, I couldn't sustain this again. Um, you know, this is too hard, obviously. You know, things come up in my life and I'm not going to be able to be consistent with this. And then once you are sort of spiraling down that shame self-talk, it's really hard to get yourself back on track. Because it's just another data point in your life history that tells you you can't finish things or you're not a healthy person or you will never get there. So what I do with my clients, especially my busy moms, is I say, all right, this is our Cadillac plan. And what's our skeleton plan? So skeleton plan means shit is hitting the fan at your house. Like something is going on, right? The kids are sick. It's summer vacation. You lost your nanny. There's a death in the family. You're going through a divorce or a separation. Like things are not easy at this point. And I can recognize that at this time, the thing that might feel important to these moms is the, the last thing that might feel important to these moms is their, their fitness, right? Their self-care. Usually moms will lose their self-care first thing. That's the first thing to go. And so I recognize this is not a time where I'm going to have a high level of adherence to the Cadillac plan. It's just too many things. Uh, to sustain in the face of all of these other challenges in their lives. So instead, we focus on here's our skeleton plan. So for one client, uh, for example, the skeleton plan is 5,000 steps a day, uh, hit your water goal, and make yourself a smoothie at some point throughout the day so that you can throw some fruits and veggies in it. You can make sure that you're at least getting one or two servings of fruit, veggies, and protein during the day. So just those three things. The 5,000 steps... It has to feel essentially easy. So we chose 5,000 because it was just slightly above what she would normally do anyways. Uh, the water goal, again, not a hugely challenging goal, but something that when she's mindful of it, she can hit it. And then the smoothie, uh, not something that's going to take a long time, but wanting her to intentionally 
take a few minutes to make herself a real meal at least once throughout the day was a part of our skeleton plan. So that way, when things were not going well at home and the kids were sick or on vacation or going through whatever thing that required more bandwidth from her, instead of feeling like she had fallen off, she had just slightly pivoted to a different track, right? That track is still going towards health as a value. You're never going to reach it. You're always moving towards it. It's like heading west, right? Both tracks are heading towards health as a life value. However, they're just slightly different ways of doing that, right? Maybe one track is a little more slow than the other track, however you want to think about it. So instead of her feeling like I've fallen off, obviously I can't take care of myself until the kids are out of the house, etc., right? Having lots of negative thoughts about that and then get, getting fused with those negative thoughts, it was teaching her how to just pivot to a different track. Okay, I'm still on track. I'm still moving towards my goals. I'm still proud of myself because I'm not doing the Cadillac plan, but I'm doing the skeleton plan. I'm doing plan B. I'm still doing a plan. Check. Awesome. Still taking care of myself. Nothing has changed. And then once there's more bandwidth, bam, she just pops back over to plan A. Easy. Right? It's not like dragging herself out of the rut of thinking that she had fallen off and now she has to get back on. It's just going from one track to the other. And that is something that I have done just constantly over the last few years. If something's coming up and I don't have a ton of time for my nutrition, I make sure I never miss my workouts. If my new, my, you know, I have no time for workouts or I'm injured, I make sure that my nutrition is on point. The biggest thing is just don't let go of everything. Keep one thing for yourself. Keep one or of self-care when you are up the river, right? Don't chuck both paddles. If you need to chuck one because it's too heavy, hang on to the other. Identify what that other one is going to be and then keep it. Keep it and it will get you through until you can pick up the other oar and do your Cadillac plan again, right? Go hard. So just identify to yourself, all right, what's my ideal? Now what's my fallback? That's the first thing. The second thing that I've done is preparing even just a few minutes. I'm talking, you know, 60, 30 to 60 seconds the night before or the morning of to prep myself for the next day. Something super simple. Like the night before, I grab the chicken out of the freezer to thaw it. And maybe I measure out my coffee and oatmeal for the morning. That's it. Now in the morning, when I would have been measuring out my coffee or my oatmeal, I have a few more seconds to maybe chop up the chicken that I'm going to cook at lunch for myself. Or I can uh, throw some marinade on the chicken that I've thawed. I can do some tiny little step that now sets me up for the next moment when I'm going to need access to that item quickly, right? I'm going to need prepped cooked chicken later on today. So throughout the day, I'm just buying little moments to be able to do that uh, so that I'm not having to do it all at the end of the day. So just a tiny bit of foresight, looking at what's coming up ahead of you, looking at your meetings for the day, thinking, you know, my middle of the day is going to be really packed. I'm going to make sure that I have a snack ready for that so that I don't have to wait until the end of the day to be able to eat. It's about just taking those few seconds to be intentionally mindful about it so that you can do these tiny little things, just so little, but things that actually over time will add up to be so impactful to your day and will make your life of meal prepping or getting yourself prepped to leave for the gym whatever your goal is, that's going to reduce the struggle 
to be able to engage in that behavior. Uh, a Stanford psychologist, Dr. Huberman, calls this limbic friction. And limbic friction means how much mental effort, how much cognitive effort am I going to have to utilize to get myself to do this thing, right? If I have a goal to go on a walk, instead of just thinking, I'm going to go on a walk, if I have a lot of limbic friction, I'm thinking, I'm too tired, I don't want to go, it's cold out, I got to do other things, I'm having to overcome a lot of objections that my brain is throwing at me to be able to engage in this behavior. So what we want to do is in the tiniest little ways throughout the day, reduce the limbic friction needed to engage in those health behaviors. If my coffee and my oatmeal are already prepped, that limbic friction has been reduced just enough now that I don't need to measure it out. All I have to do is heat it up and add some water. It's a tiny little step, but that those tiny little steps can make a huge difference throughout the day. If you only have to engage in three out of six steps required to engage in any health behavior, you have increased your likelihood of engaging that behavior 100%. If it's half as hard, your likelihood of not doing it is decreased. You're probably going to do it. It's much easier. So you've reduced the limbic friction. Oh, I don't want to cook a meal. I want to order takeout. But if the meal's already prepped in your fridge, now you just have takeout, which is going to take, you know, 30 to 45 minutes, or I have a delicious prep meal already in the fridge, ready to go. The limbic friction required to engage in the behavior of eating the prepped meal is reduced, and probably you're going to eat the prepped meal and save money and stay on track for your goals of feeding yourself well. The third thing that I do is I have visual cues to support my health behavior. So we are such visual creatures that so much of our behavior is cued by our visual environment. If I see a cookie on the counter, I'm cued to go grab that cookie. If I see my phone on the table, I'm cued to go look at my phone, scroll on my phone. If I see I have a notification, I'm likely to look at that notification, etc. So what you want to do is you want to create visual cues that are going to compete with all of the other visual cues in your environment that are not keeping you on track necessarily. You want to reduce the visual cues that are going to take you off track. So you want to hide cookies or whatever. Just put it in the back of the cupboard or put it behind the healthier option. If you want it, it's there and you can have it, but you're not unnecessarily cueing yourself to remember it. Think about if I walked into the kitchen in the morning and first thing in the morning I see a Reese's on the counter. And I think to myself, it's too early for a Reese's. It's 6 a.m. I'm not eating that. But I don't touch it. I just leave it there. Now I walk back in an hour and a half later and I see it. Oh, there's that Reese's. No, I'm, I'm not going to eat that Reese's. How many times am I going to be able to do this before I'm just like, I'm eating this Reese's, right? My ability to say no over and over and over again requires effort and energy And what if I just put it in the cupboard? I could use that effort and energy on something different such that I wouldn't exhaust myself and then not be able to engage in self-regulation and I would eat it. So you want to reduce the visual cues for behaviors that are going to be contrary to your health goals and you want to increase the visual cues to support health behavior. So I have my protein basket out on the counter. I have fruit set on the counter. Uh, The fruits and veggies that I want to eat are already cut and prepped on the top shelf of the fridge. I have water and the sodas are in the back of the fridge. Uh, The water pitcher is in the front. These kinds of things, very small but very impactful. Anybody who has ever worked in a place where there is a 
a lounge of some sort, like a teacher's lounge, right? If you work at a school and someone just puts donuts in there or leaves things in there, you're going to say no to the donut maybe initially. But if it's the third time that week, right, in and out and in and out, seeing that visual cue just haunting you. Like, mmm, this is good. It's just following you around. It's an out of sight, out of mind thing, right? That way you can at least know if you're randomly craving donut, a donut one day, you can know, yeah, I, I really want a donut. Not because your visual field has been bombarded by that stimulus, but actually you wanted it and you ate it very mindfully, right? You go to the donut shop and you buy a donut and you enjoy it. But when you're bombarded with that visual stimulus constantly and then you end up giving in and not feeling great about it and were you even craving it or was it just constantly in your visual field? That's not the way you want to do it. And the other thing besides having a lot of visual cues to support health behavior is having visual cues to remind you of your goals. You know, if my goal is to drink increased water, I have a huge water jug that's clear and I can see how much I'm drinking every day. And maybe I have a post-it note that lists my goals out. Drink your water, get your steps, and, you know, eat three servings of veggies. And every time I walk through the hallway, or put it somewhere that you're going to see it often. Put it on the fridge door. But every time you pass it, it's a reminder. Here are my goals. Here are my goals. Here are my goals. We can get so easily distracted from what's important to us because other things are popping up in our environment and taking us to in a different direction, taking us a different way. But if I have top of mind that those are my three goals, when I go to Chipotle for dinner with the kids, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to order some fajita veggies and I'm going to get a salad. And that's how I'm going to meet that goal. Whereas if that goal has sort of fallen out of my mind, it's not fresh in my memory, I'm now looking at the menu and I'm just picking what looks good. It's finding a way to keep those goals top of mind so that they don't get lost in just the clutter of all of the other things that we're processing on a daily basis and all of the other stimuli that we are exposed to, right? Menus and you go to the grocery store and there's a million different things that are a cue to you. Hey, this is good. Hey, come have this. There's got to be some way to compete with all that noise so that it's easier to engage in the behavior that's going to be in line with your health goals. So those are the three things I do. Those are simple things, but all of those things allow me to be more successful by setting up my environment, having a plan B so that I can adjust as needed. It's all about flexibility and having just a little bit of foresight to look ahead, even two hours ahead and think, what does future Amber need to be successful two hours from now? That version of me or that that future Amber that's going to be teaching four sessions in a row later today, what is she going to need to gracefully move through that? And just those tiny little questions can be so impactful because now they remind you, oh, if I do this tiny thing right now, this tiny thing of grabbing this snack out of the protein box, now future Amber is going to be comfortable teaching those sessions instead of hungry. The biggest thing that's going to help you sustain a health journey is flexibility, not being overly rigid as to how you do it and how it looks, and picking the right level of challenge, just tiny little habits over time, not having a huge level of challenge with so much intensity, and you're going to lose you know, 10 pounds in a month, 
and then you're going to gain it all and 10% more back after that because it was so restrictive and it was just such a torture. You couldn't wait for it to be over. Choose the tiny thing. Set the bar low. What's your low bar? But set a bar. That's the thing is that people think if I can't set a high bar, I'm not setting a bar because it's not high enough. It's not going to work. It's not going to do anything. What's that going to do? Increasing my water and walking a little bit more steps? That's not going to do what I want it to do. But it will if you stick with it. Right? That's the name of the game with health. It's over years of time. It's not going to be a quick thing. The quicker that you lose the weight, the quicker you can gain it. So slow loss is the way to go if that's your goal. Slow gain is the way to go if that's your goal. Find something you can stick with and then do it forever. That's simple. Simple. That's the simple fitness hack is that do it forever. But do the easy thing forever. Choose the easy thing so that you can do it forever. All right. I hope that was helpful for you. You know, now that we're in April, probably those of you who had New Year's resolutions, either you're on track to completing them and feeling good or you're not. If you're not, I want you to think of these three things. These three things that I went over today about maintaining consistency over years throughout so many different life circumstances. Having a plan B, having a small amount of foresight to take care of future you, and having visual cues in your environment to remind you of your goals and health behavior you want to engage in. Those three things. And I want you to think about, all right, the the plan I started out with on January 1st didn't work, maybe. It was too restrictive. It was too hard. It was too overwhelming. All right, let's come up with a new plan. And I want you to create a plan that takes three, these three things into consideration and see how this works for you. This will help you sustain any fitness journey for your whole life, no matter what happens, if you do these three things. And if you can sustain it for your whole life, you will see huge transformative changes because it's all about time. Set the bar low, do the easy thing, and do it forever. All right, I hope this was helpful. Uh, Let me know how you maintain consistency. If this is something that's not hard for you, I'd love to hear from you. Um, If you use these strategies and they're helpful, I'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you can share with family, friends, anyone that you think will benefit from the information, please do. Also, leaving a review is really helpful because it, it helps... Get the algorithm to suggest this podcast to people who might benefit from the information. So many people can have their lives transformed by having a really simple understanding of human behavior, and that is what we're here to do. So please share. It would be super meaningful to me. Uh, As always, wonderful to be here sharing this information with you. I hope that it's helpful. Have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next time.